you're now locked in to another episode of Unboxing Scripture. Just friends hanging out, reading unfamiliar and familiar scriptures, unpacking truths that we can apply to our daily routine, a fun look at the Word of God, a chance to laugh and learn at the same time. Welcome to Unboxing Scripture, not your typical unboxing channel. All right. Hey, this is Brian Lowe, and we are in the studio again. I'm excited. I've got two amazing young men with me tonight. I got Aaron Rapp Jr. What's Howdy. up? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? Great, great. Awesome. <laughs> and I got Tommy Meyer. Come on, baby. On the mic Come tonight. On. And uh, last week, we got in the studio, and it was a full house at the studio. Every mic had somebody at it tonight. Is the three of us hanging out of the Trinity. And uh, triple, oh, I probably shouldn't refer to us as a trio. We'll call ourselves a triple threat. No, you totally can. Okay. All right. So, yeah, we got the Trinity going on tonight and going to look at the life of David and really different aspects of David's life, things that the Bible shows us, the way David interacted with God, his relationship, and honestly, like how it applies to our life or what is it about David's life that stands out to you. And instead of just highlighting one passage or a section of scripture, we're going to look at somebody that is referenced over and over again in Scripture and just have fun with this tonight. So I'm excited to get into this, to hang out with these guys, to spend some time going over the Word of God, and yeah, let's get into it. I like David. What do you guys? Oh, dude, I love David. I, I think... How could you not? It's true. How could you not? Exactly. Yeah. When you look at how many characters there are in the Bible, very few do we get to follow from their like young youth, all the way to the end of their life. Jesus, we get a snapshot of when he's 12 years old, he's lost in the temple and his parents forget him. But like David, we know as a youth, he was out as a shepherd, he was working on the time. And as he starts to get anointed early on. Like he's anointed to be king mm -hmm. way before he ever steps into being king, which I think is massive. And if you don't know these guys, let me just hit pause on a minute before we keep going deep with David here. If you don't know these two young men, how old are you, Aaron? 18. Aaron is 18 years old. How old are you, Tommy? I'm 21. Tommy is 21. Officially an adult. Woo! And yeah, I've known Aaron for, bro, it's been... 18 years. Yeah, it's been like eight. <laughs> it's been... And this guy, I love this dude. He has a heart after God. He's committed to finding ways to get the word to work in his life. Even though in moments life gets crazy and people get difficult, he has not walked away from God and from the truth of the word. So love you, man. Love Ex you too, man. Excited to do this. Tommy, I've known for forever. Long time. Long yeah. time. Boy, was the ring bearer in my wedding. I was. Dude. And we rocked it. We did. We looked good even then. I had hair. I came across a picture the other day. Did you really? I did. And it's just, time moves so fast. It's insane. It was like, wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> well, That's dude. all you got. That's all. I was ugly. What? I was an ugly kid. You were I a was. cute kid. Your personality hey. made up for it. He had that's a winning true. personality. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But even with Tommy, man, uh, you've got, both of you guys have a heritage of faith. Both you guys have grown up in the house of God. And I, I like, I'm excited just to get into some scripture with you guys. Let me ask this question. As a 18-year-old adult out of high school, graduated, 
just got your insurance license, yep. correct? Yep. Yeah. Let's go, baby. Let's go. I just heard a story tonight about a multimillionaire insurance salesman. So there you go, really? bro. Really? Yeah. There you go. And Tommy, as a 21-year-old college student, business yeah. partner, growing. Currently, this summer, you are a mason. Yeah, we're doing everything right now. Yeah. We've got all of our eggs in a basket. Let, let me ask this question. From children's church, youth, to today, how has your relationship changed with God? As a young adult, and I'm just... We're going off the cuff here. We're five minutes in. We haven't even hit David yet. But true. Like, I've grown up with you guys since your youth. I feel like that's what we get to do with David. We get to grow up with David. We get to watch him as a youth. We get to watch him as a young adult. We get to right. see him as a father, as a husband, as, uh, I mean, a, a dad of adult kids and the struggle that goes on in scripture. And then we get to see his successes, his failure. Everything like that is laid out with David. Mm-hmm. So as two young men that have grown up in the house of God, what is different in your relationship today with God, the word and church than what it was when you were a kid? When Growing up, when you start going to children's church and things like that, everything is told to you, mm. but it, it isn't used by you. And as you get older, you start to continue to pull from that and create that relationship your own instead of just learning something and leaving and I think as I've gotten older, it's been more real to me, like my relationship with God. And I start yeah. to believe things for myself right. instead of just being told, hey, this is what happened. This is what you should do. This is how you should live. I'll, you made the statement there that, oh, when you said it, it hit me hard. Everything is told to you, but not used. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's, as you're making this your own, it probably means there are parts of the word and parts of your relationship with God now that you are using and experiencing that aren't just being told, which, yeah, man, that's it's been cool to watch your relationship with God grow. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right, Tommy, same question. No, yeah, I, I agree with Aaron. I just think that the Bible has become more real to me. Ah. It's, I, like, grasp it now. The stories, the, the messages, the, it's just, it doesn't seem like a story. It's like but real life now. Yeah. And I've always, I grew up in the, church but i also grew up reading stories like lord of the rings and narnia and when i was a kid i would read my bible and i would imagine them like stories but now i can see it and i'm like dude this actually happened yeah like on the terms of david david actually fought goliath yeah a giant Mm. and i was gonna say earlier is like even people who aren't in the church every day and don't necessarily read their bible they know of the story of david and goliath yeah. Like that's one of the main stories that like an outs that has an outside perspective. They just know it. Yeah. Which is interesting, which is really cool. Yeah. It's it's more than just a fairy tale. This right. is our biblical history. This is our heritage. We can mm-hmm. look back and see how God honestly just interacted with humanity then. And it sets a pattern for the way we can interact with God today. Because if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever then I can look at God's interaction with David and go, okay, man, God, I want this kind of relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And I love it. All right, there we go. We got some background on these guys. Let's get into David. before. And, and I've been talking, I feel like, a decent amount. I Spearhead. love it. Oh, yeah? You're the, uh, you're the conductor on the train. I got you. Okay. The passengers. So then, got to get that train moving. We, we got to get this train moving. All right, so we're looking at David. And I'm going to start literally in what I think is the most well-known section of David's life. It's been referenced already tonight. His 
interaction with Goliath. Mm-hmm. But I want to look at a passage right after he kills Goliath. I feel like a lot of the times in ministry and children's church and youth group and even in, we'll just call it adult ministry in the sanctuary, mm-hmm. we look at the faith David had to take on Goliath. We look at the way Goliath mocked him. We have that whole story pretty well recognized and talked about in church. But right after David kills Goliath, there's this section of scripture that just has always stood out to me. And it's, if you don't know, we're in 1 Samuel right now, or I'm in 1 Samuel right now. I'm in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I'm going to start at verse 50. Verse 50 is the ending, I think, of what everybody knows. It's the victory moment that David has with Goliath. And the verse I really want to focus on is 52. So I'm going to back up a little bit, give some background for anybody that may not be familiar with this story. And if you are not, man, I'm so excited that you took time to hang out with Aaron, Tommy, and myself and get into the Word of God, because I believe there is something that from this book and from these guys and from just getting into the Word that will benefit your life. And it says this in verse 50, it says, so David prevailed over the Philistine, over the Philistine, talking about Goliath, with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in his hand, in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took the sword and drew it out of the sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it, which, dude, I just... You gotta like in Dude, that's a scene church, in the movie. Yes. It's, it's only it, a scene in the movie. It really is. It's like, crazy. You defeated Goliath. He's down for the count. He runs up, grabs Goliath's sword, which is massive in and of its own. Like the sword that a giant has is not the same size sword a normal youth would be carrying. Correct. And he uses Goliath's own sword against him, cuts his head off, and then verse fifty two happens. This is this is the place where I'm like, man, how come we don't teach this enough? Every time we tell the story of David, how come we don't highlight verse 52? And it says this, Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. I mean... All of a sudden, we Mm. see, I I love this, because David was one guy who shared the same relationship that all the men of Israel and Judah had with the same God. Like, David served the same God, Israel, these men did. But David had the guts to say, okay, I believe God will use me. I believe if I stand up, God will use me. And because David did that, and those guys saw God used David to kill Goliath. Mm -hmm. All the other men got encouraged and they stood up and they took off and they pursued the enemy. And I think so many times that's so key because I don't think we realize how our obedience and our relationship with God affects others around us. Dude, I love the fact that as two young guys, 
I think your obedience and your relationship with God as an 18-year-old that is still finding purpose in church, purpose in the word, and purpose in your relationship with God is causing other guys to stand up and start to move towards God. I think as a 21-year-old, finding purpose in church, purpose in your relationship with God, purpose in the word, that is causing people to move towards God, even in the way that you handle relationships, business, everything along those lines. And I think too many times we get into our adulthood and we get focused on the giant that I have to fight and the battle that is in front of me. And we forget the fact that there's a whole crowd of people that have the same relationship that are watching David that are saying, okay, what's going to happen with this guy? Right. How's this going to go down? Well, and all he took was an act of leadership. That's all he did. Come on now. And Goliath was probably out there. I th- he was out there for a couple of days, right? Yeah. He was on end, just yeah. taunting, taunting. And they stood behind a man, well, a boy at this yeah. time. Right? Yeah. He wasn't I, even a man. Oh, he was redheaded, Aaron. Really? Yeah. Not <laughs> but uh, that tells you a lot, honestly. Yeah. He's a warrior. <laughs> but, uh, dude, he just took a leadership role when it was needed. Yeah. And he ran, it says that he ran. And like when he was fighting Goliath, he I was reading that passage in mm. church tonight because yeah. I was like, I needed to read some, I needed to le- read it a little bit and figure out, you know, what we want to talk about. So I read that passage and that spoke out to me as well. Come like on, he man. ran to it or he ran to Goliath, which is insane. Like yeah. You, when you run to the problem instead of just tiptoeing around it. Oh, come that's, on. That's what that's a leader good. does. Not to mention if you're running towards a problem. There has to be an attitude of preparation on the inside of you for whatever's ahead of you. Think about people that run towards problems. Firemen, military. It's, it's well, pe- people that run in general. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nah. Wow. Not me. I'm telling you. I don't know. Hard, me, me neither hardly, but yeah, I keep going. Sorry. No, but if you are running into a building that's on fire, it's because you have practiced and prepared ahead of time. Right. What was David's speech to the king? Dude, I fought a lion. I fought a bear. This Philistine is going to fall the same way. There's something about that. I think so many people are nervous about the giants in their life because we haven't walked through fighting the lion and the bear moment. And we have to have someone, whether it's a youth, whether it's an adult, we have to have someone to look at that says, dude, I've at least been through one or two things. And I know my guy was with me then. I know my guy will be with me in this next thing. I think also people put God on the shelf until the giant in their life shows up, and they never think to bring God into the situation when it's just a lion or something smaller. Oh, yeah. I'll just deal with it. I'll just live with this. Man, how many times have we shelved God when we've had lion and and bear moments instead of bringing God into that? Oh, my God. There's some truth to that right there. I'm enjoying that. I feel like also reading First Samuel, getting into the story of David, is he was a, a completely different breed of human, honestly. Oh, okay, like, some, <laughs> like someone who goes out and kills a lion or kills a giant in, that, in those days. Yeah. It's not like we're any different from him, but there comes a, a level of, ah, man, like hard work yeah. that goes into that. Like oh, as yeah. As a kid, as a kid. And I don't know, where was I getting at? Anyways, he's just, it's just unreal to read about that. You've heard of like short guy syndrome, right? Of course. The uh, short guy's got something to, <laughs> I forgot. Something to prove, dude. I forgot. So he's just out in the woods. Yeah. He's like, I need to kill this lion I'm the- and this bear <laughs> and this 
in this fox, everything. Well, and I don't know if, have you ever heard of this theory? And again, this is a biblical theory mm-hmm. that David was, was like a, a child, like an affair child. Like his dad had an affair with somebody and that's mm. how David showed up. Really? Yeah. Cause at one point in scripture, David says he was conceived in sin. And mm-hmm. when David's mm-hmm. dad was called to bring out all his sons, he brought everybody up but David. I'm not acknowledging still out in the field. Yeah, I'm not acknowledging the son that I don't claim. Because honestly, the job of a shepherd wasn't the job that a son would do, it was the job of a servant. And so I'm wondering and I've never again, this is just it's a biblical theory that it's not concrete. If it was something that I felt like God wanted me to absolutely know, it would be easily identifiable right. through scripture. But yet at the same time, maybe that's some of what David was like, dude. I've been anointed to be king. This guy isn't getting away of what God has called me to do. That's my thing is I've got something. I've got somewhere to be and you're in my way. I don't know. Absolutely. One thing I really like. I'm made different, bro. Made different. Is like (laughs) the very next uh, chapter 18 talks about David Jonathan's friendship. Oh, come on. And the relationship. I love like as soon as David kills Goliath. Mm -hmm. Boom. Jonathan is like, dude, I love you. Yes, dude. I like, and I've always, after reading that little section, just chapter eight, like the first paragraph, mm-hmm. he gives him his armor, takes off his clothes and like bestows them. And he's like, dude, I acknowledge, like I can see this leader in front of me. I think Jonathan was the first guy to jump up and run with him. Oh, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. He's just a brother. I, and like Jonathan before this moment is referenced as being the guy that looks at his armor bearer and says, hey, what's to stop God from saving us, whether by few or by many? Mm-hmm. And he goes with his armor bearer, and him and an armor bearer with one sword between two guys kill seven guys and get a whole platoon to surrender to him. That's Jonathan is attracted to crazy moments. No wonder he likes David. <laughs> Dude, you are True. stinking crazy. I'm in love with you. We serve the same God. Here's my armor. I want a brotherhood with you. Was Jonathan a part of the mighty uh, David's mighty men? No, he wasn't. No. Okay. Yeah, David's mighty men. And see, that's the that's some the reason I always thought Jonathan was, but well, I, maybe he wasn't. No, Jonathan. Jonathan. David's mighty men were the guys that David met that were all broken. Oh, dude, they were some Excalibur, dude, dude, Liam Neeson type guys. Yes, <laughs> I have a certain dude. skill set, and I will find dude, you. I will use them. <laughs> Uh, I lo- honestly, I'm waiting for someone to make a movie about David's Mighty Men recapping their adventures around a campfire. Dude, yes. Yeah, or at least a book. <sighs> yeah, we need a 300 of David's Mighty Men. <laughs> Dude, a do. guy in a bean field. Show do. me how a guy in a bean field kills 300 men. Show me this. Oh, I'll show you. Please. Yeah. I love this. For real. Yeah. That's what uh, I'm saying. It's like a scene right out of a movie. It is. And like back to where we were starting is it all seems to be coming much more real. Not only David, but like Job or even Jesus, like watching Chosen. New, the Chosen. Yeah. Come on. It's a great television show for anybody that just wants to have a laugh. It shows Jesus like having a good time. It like shows a real Jesus. Correct. So many. Where everything else. It's every other movie. It's like him just dying. That's it. That's all of Jesus. And hopefully him resurrecting also. <laughs> <And> also resurrecting. <laughs> who was this guy? Who was, and it's, it's, sometimes it's difficult 
uh, to understand who Jesus was through the Bible. Sure. Sometimes on sure. certain, you know, on certain occasions you're like, okay, was he saying this in like a happy, I don't know. It, but yeah. Was he happy he, when he was saying this yeah. or was he super reverent? Right. Like, Hey, correct. Love thy neighbor. Yeah. And your enemies. Or was it like, dude, you got to, you got to think and love mean people. Yeah. Seriously. Like, love and the them. show does such a, an incredible job at that. Ah, it's chosen awesome. does chosen. Yeah. It's amazing. Where do you watch it? Tommy, we're not sponsored by Peacock. I found it on YouTube. Nah, it's on Peacock, and it's or you can do the Chosen app. There you which go. I have it. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, and if Chosen would like to sponsor Unboxing Scripture, Yo, you can uh, mail checks to eighteen twenty four East Market Street in Warsaw, Indiana. Yeah, four ninety nine a week. Thank you very much. There you go. But no, I I love this attitude that we see in David's life. David is a guy that wasn't perfect, but yet the Bible in the New Testament which I think is so key that the new Testament says David was a man after God's own heart. And if all you know is a new Testament, David, you don't know a David that experienced failure. Mm -hmm. That is such a big thing for me because I have a new Testament relationship with God, which means God and what Jesus did is bigger than the sin or the failure in my life to the point to where I have a relationship that Man, through Jesus, through forgiveness, through repentance, through grace, man, God's, yeah, this guy's a man after my own heart. I don't see the failure. I've forgotten it. Versus, like, when I read David in the Old Testament, I can find some failure, bro. Yeah. But you got Aaron. This kind of is a little bit off topic, but it's still on topic with David. And I think so many times in life, everybody thinks because they fail and they're not perfect mm. that God can't use them. Yeah. And in reality, especially looking at David's life in the Old Testament, like you can see where as he fails, he continues to still pursue God and God continues to still use him even though he's not perfect. Yeah. Because none of us are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, dude. I feel like we all go through everyday battles. Mm -hmm. Like I, there's a set, like there's a set list of things in my life that, I'm, that I think if I can get these in order... Yeah. If I can get these in order, then I will be the, uh, not the Christian, but I will be the man that I am proud of. And Ooh. I never seem to, to get it right. And I mean, after reading about David, it's, it's like you were saying, he, he was a liar. He was a cheater. He cheated with ba Bathsheba. Yeah. This man is like <laughs> almost the worst man you could think of truly, but also the greatest. He's a man. And I don't know, dude. So yeah, that situation where David cheats with Bathsheba, that chapter opens up with at the time of war when all the when at the time when all the kings were out to battle, mm. David remained at home. Yeah, and I, I man, almost like a little snake, dude. dude well, I think if we want to learn not to get trapped in sin, we need to make sure we're in ah, the place dude, that we're good. called to be. That's, that's really good right good. there. Because he was somewhere he shouldn't have been. Ah, and because of that, he saw something good, he shouldn't bro. see. <laughs> that's really and good. And I don't know about you guys, but if, if you go through that section, it says he saw Bathsheba and then later began to inquire about her. So not only did, was mm. he somewhere he shouldn't be, he saw what he shouldn't th see, and then he began to think about it to the point to where he was inquiring about her. It wasn't right. like... He was in the wrong place and just fell into sin. It was a process. Or it wasn't just a thought. Exactly. And it was what it was a thought he never took captive. 
Correct. Yes. That was a thought he gave time to. It was a thought he gave energy to. And because of that, he ended up doing something he, he shouldn't have done. And man, if I reverse that, if I'm somewhere I should be, I'll see the things I should be seeing. I'll begin to think about mm-hmm. the things I should be thinking about. I'll find myself doing the things I know that God wants me to do. That's good. And the recipe for success is is there as well as the recipe for failure. It's just, okay, God, what, what, who do I want to be in these moments? I want to be someone that's positioning myself in a place where I need to be. So I can see the things that you want me to see, begin to think about the things you want me to think about. Right. So I can begin to live it and do it. That's, and I believe that's not just saying you need to be in church. I think that you can be in your Bible at home and see something that God wants you to see right. that will cause you to think a certain way and allow you to experience, like you guys are saying, you're experiencing the word now in a completely different way than you ever have before in your relationship with God. And it's because I believe you guys have consistently put yourself in a position to be where you should be, see what you should see, think what you should think, and now you're experiencing God in a new way than you ever have. And I, I love it, and that's something I'm still working out in my own life today. I don't think we ever stopped no. putting ourselves in the right place. Mm. I was going to say this earlier. Jordan Peterson, he's a philosopher. Oh, dude, I, I enjoy He's some, awesome. Yeah, some. But JP, dude, he talks about very heavily sometimes about your darkest self mm-hmm. and how if you allow, and this is on the terms of, of David here, is if you allow yourself to become the dark, if you allow your mind to almost escape, to see the darkest version of yourself, mm-hmm. like almost imagine, he goes, <laughs> he said something like, open your eyes immediately and go the complete opposite direction. Mm. It's like never allow yourself to, again, be, almost be alone. Being alone is can be good, but in that certain exercise, yeah, can be terrible. Yeah, I don't know if being alone is bad. Being alone is great, but yeah, no, I'm with you. <laughs> no, I'm with. I'm, I hear you. you. Feel me, baby. There, there's a thing of allowing yourself to see, honestly. There's a man. You, there's some humility of saying, "Yeah, I can really become a monster Correct. if I let myself." Pride says, I'll never be a monster. <laughs> yeah. And pride goes before fall. When you say, I'll never fail, I'll never do that, I'm whatever. Dude, Samson, strongest man in the Bible. David was the most spiritual man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. And Solomon was the wisest. All three of them failed. So I can't do it in my own strength. I can't do it just because I'm spiritual. And I can't do it just because I think I'm smart enough. Dude, I've got to have 100%. Mm. Or it's like Red Skull from Marvel. Well, he's just he's just the worst of the worst, dude. He is. <laughs> he is. He kills his own teammates. Dude, he does. What is wrong with you, Red Skull? Oh, dude. I'm going to stick you out with the one of the Infinity Stones. Oh, my goodness. This has been... Dude, I'm enjoying this. We're approaching an end here, but before, before I end, what do you guys got? What's some final thoughts here? I don't know. I was just going to say, it's it crazy to me how many times Saul tries to kill David, dude. Ah, like you would think you would give it up after a second. Yeah. He's untouchable. Look at the way David handles that. David, I don't know how much he likes Saul, but he wasn't. When he had a chance to kill Saul, he mm-hmm. didn't. Twice yeah. he didn't. Dude repents for cutting the guy's clothes to be like, look, I could have killed you, but I didn't. Yeah, and sorry. St- and repents. Love you, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that is, I, I don't know that I'm there. 
I'm definitely if not somebody kidding. was throwing spears at me, like literally, not just, yeah, dude. How many spears does this guy have to throw, um, dude? Until you realize, okay, hunt you I've down. I've missed like five times. Okay, tries to hunt you down. There, there had to be not just a respect for Saul, but a compa- godlike compassion right. on David's life to be able to handle that the way he did. Because I'm telling you, difficult people. Bro, sometimes they're difficult to handle. They are. But he did it well. He did it with spades. That's when you walk in line with God, though. He helps you control situations that you couldn't normally. Bro. Yeah. That's... Handling difficult people is a mark of walking in line with God. I like that. I literally am thinking of somebody I eat breakfast with on Thursdays. And I know as he's listening to this, he knows right now who I'm talking about. Because this dude has walked through many situations with difficult people. And it's worn on him. But I look at him like, dude, even though this is worn on you, like, I always get encouraged every time. Because I'm like, yeah, you're still doing it. You haven't become that other guy yet. You haven't become the difficult person You've remained faithful in the difficulty, which is what David did. It's the marker of walking in line with God. Ah, such good. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same. Same. Ah, okay. Bro. So I cut you off when you were, when you, he was about to ask you what your takeaway was. Yeah, what's a, what's a takeaway for the night? Well, I thought, okay. Give so, it to me. It. Lay it on us. When it, when it comes down to David and when he stayed back in the whole Bathsheba situation. Oh, yeah. Then he got, he messed up, obviously. Yes. Got her pregnant, mm-hmm. and then he called for the husband to yeah. come back. And the husband, I feel like, spoke to him in words that David couldn't catch on his own because he told David, he was like, how am I, while people are out fighting yes. and defending our country, how am I going to sleep with my wife and go drink and act like everything's normal? And I feel like David didn't get that in the first place because he didn't go. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Jariah literally was like, how can I stay home? And enjoy the reward of being here. Ah, When David missed it. You yeah. Know? That's the whole message in the beginning. David, you stayed back and enjoyed something you shouldn't have yet. Mm-hmm. When you should be out there leading men. Bro. Bathsheba married a good dude. For real. Come on. Mm. It reminds me of uh, Beowulf. Oh, well. To wow. be honest with you. Yeah. Like, just the story of David and Bathsheba. Just that mm-hmm. is king for too long. Wow. And with that, if there wasn't uh, repentance that showed up, no, that showed up in David's life, we could have had a second Saul. Correct. We could have had a second Saul, but because David had repentance, he didn't turn into Baal. It was that whole thing right there. He didn't, we didn't have a second Saul. Instead, we could saw somebody that God could still use. All right, Tommy, what's the takeaway for the night? Slay your giant, dude. Slay your giant. I know everybody talks about that stuff, dude. No, come on. Seriously. Whether it be uh, a relationship that needs work, dude, or whether it need or whether it's uh, a new business, mm-hmm. slay the giant that's in front of you. And usually, the giant is something that seems bigger than life. Seems it's definitely bigger than you, not bigger than life necessarily. Yes, bigger than you, but it's not bigger than God. It's not. No, slay the giant. I like the takeaway. I love that. Slay the giant, dude. I want a T-shirt Same. that says "Slay the Giant." We'll make some merch. All right. Some unboxing merch that says Slay the Giant. Slay the Giant. Yeah. Right on the back. And then it's just, just... Uh, my face with a giant sword. <laughs> yes. Okay. Hey, 
This has been Unboxing Scripture. I want to thank Anne Rapp, Tommy Meyer. Thanks for having us on. Sure yes. That'd and you great. guys for hanging out and listening to us. Uh, I want to just invite you to hang out for the next episode. Oh, man, this is a terrible ending. I'm going to try that redo again. Redo it. Redo it. Redo yeah. it. I cut you off. That's my bad. Uh, so this has been Unboxing Scripture. I want to thank Aaron Rapp. Thank you for having us on. I appreciate it. Tommy Meyer. Slay the giant. There we go. And you guys as listeners. <laughs> and I uh, look forward to having you guys on the next episode. We'll see you then. Are we going to listen to the outro? Yeah. yeah let's just. Done. You're now locked in to another episode of Unboxing Scripture. Just friends hanging out, reading unfamiliar and familiar scriptures. Unpacking truths that we can apply to our daily routine. A fun look at the Word of God. A chance to laugh and learn at the same time.